Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Authentic Audience Podcast. My name is Krista Ritma, and I am your host. On today's episode, I have Lisa Moiseva. She is the co-founder of a company called Globe In. It is the leading social enterprise subscription box company, and they support artisans from around the world and in developing countries. I learned so much in this episode. I first want to apologize. We were recording and then we actually dropped. We got disconnected and then jumped back on. So about seven minutes in, there'll just be a slight pause. You'll be able to tell unless my producer just that fantastic that he can totally edit it out smoothly. But we did lose each other and then jump back right where we left off. So apologies for that. It was such an important conversation. Please bear with that and listen to this. I am really inspired by this. If you listen to last week's episode, I've been in my own little privileged world lately with my own stresses and anxieties. And it was really refreshing to just get out of my story and have a conversation about really important issues in the world and talk to somebody who is so smart and so successful and doing really good work in this world. Education is so important. Educating consumers about where you shop, ethical shopping, sustainability, all of that stuff. And her company is doing all of that. And I really enjoyed this conversation. We talk about fair trade, how important it is. We talk about my time in Nepal and sort of the barriers that social impact companies such as hers are facing um, when it comes to just wanting to give back and do good work in the world, how to pay artisans fair wages, how to celebrate and not exploit people as a Westerner coming into a third world country. So lots of important topics discussed here. I learned a lot. I'm so impressed and inspired again by the work that she is doing. And I'm happy to know her. I'm happy to celebrate her. And I really enjoyed this conversation. And I hope you do too. Lisa Moiseva is founder at the helm of Globe In, the leading social enterprise subscription box company and the only subscription box company to achieve official fair trade designation for its work supporting artisans from around the world and in developing countries. Through her work, Globe In has invested more than $3.5 million in fair wages into artisan communities over the last three years alone. Her passion for creating a positive social impact landed her jobs with nonprofits working in microfinance and poverty alleviation areas, an MBA in finance with a focus on impact investing. She is also the co-host of the Good Together podcast. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Krista. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've been researching you all morning and I'm so interested to learn more about the work that you're doing. It sounds incredible, but first, just tell me, how are you? Where are you? What is happening in your world right now? Sure. I'm in San Francisco right now, uh, looking out my window. It's uh, nice and sunny here, even though it's uh, winter. It's actually very green in the California winter, which is, of course, very good. Um, yeah, a Friday, I jumped back from vacation in my hometown in Moscow, Russia. And it's kind of just getting into 2000. 20. I was going to say 2010. And then I was like, wait, it's 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you were in San Francisco. I'm here too. We should have done this in person. I had no idea. Yeah. So we're just recording probably a few miles away. I'm over in Soma. 
I'm in Noy Valley. Oh, great. I'm actually moving. So this is my last couple of weeks here, but we're moving to Santa Cruz. But yeah, it's actually been beautiful weather. And I feel like I'm being teased because we're leaving the city. And I feel like the city is like showing off right now because the weather's so nice. (laughs) But anyway, so I've been reading all about you. You're doing some incredible work. And I think I kind of wanted to start first with talking a little bit about impact investing. I have a lot of questions about Globe In, Mm -hmm. the company itself, but how did you get into this type of work? Like, What is impact investing? How did you learn to do what you're doing? What's your sort of mission and your why in doing all of this? Sure. I'll try to keep it short. So through my personal professional career, I have never worked for a company without a social mission. So I started uh, with a bachelor's in international relations, had um, kind of a small short career in nonprofit world and microfinance, but um, I pretty quickly realized that nonprofits should be run like businesses in order for them to be sustainable. Um, so that's when I did MBA. And around the same time, that's when I was introduced to the idea of social business, the idea that all businesses should exist not for the sole purpose of making money, but also for the purpose of solving any given social problem, be it poverty or water crisis and sanitation or uh, lack of access to education and things like that. All of my co-founders at Globin and many people I know are huge fans of Mohammed Yunus. He's the father of microfinance. He's a Nobel Peace Laureate for his work with Grameen Bank in Bangladesh. He's also a huge proponent of the idea of the social business as we understand it. And this is when where impact investing right, comes in. Basically, impact investing is investing into social businesses that I'm talking about. Right? It's the idea that you should invest not just for the only for financial returns, but also for social returns. So that's why, you know, there are specific social impact measurements that investors can track. Like, for example, with Globin, if it's poverty alleviation, it's like how many artisans are we reaching, right? How much money we're investing into artisan communities? Or, for example, what percentage of our, our beneficiaries are women? Are um, you know living conditions of our artisans improving and things like that? And of course, I'm just talking, uh, giving an example of Globin. But impact investing can be investing, you know, for environmental returns, right? Companies that do businesses sustainably, or it can be also investing into nonprofits, which is kind of nonprofits and social businesses like under the big umbrella of social enterprises. So hopefully, I explain it. A bit? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I work closely um, with a company called 109 World and I had their founder on here and we were talking a lot about the nonprofit world and investing and how to make an impact. And, you know, as a business owner myself, I feel like we could always be doing more and finding that area or that place to invest in. And for us, it's like doing free marketing, basically. Like I take on clients that are nonprofits and I do their ads and I do their marketing and I help them with their websites and stuff like that. And I, I'm really looking forward to getting our company into a place where we can invest more and give back. And I always just find talking to people that are doing that work full time, like you are, you know, really eye opening and really refreshing. And I wish we were having more of these conversations. For the listeners, I would love for you to explain more about Globin. Um, I have a lot of questions about how it actually works because we were just talking before we pressed record about the work that I'm doing in Nepal, which I want to talk more about with you and what you were doing there, et cetera. But before we jump into that, maybe you could just explain a little bit more about Globe In, 
how it started, how it began, what exactly it is and how it works. <laughs> sure. Globin is a fair trade artisan box subscription. Uh, we source products from all over the world that are handmade by artisans. Uh, and one of the main reasons why we wanted to work uh, on this specific mission is because we see that job creation and paying fair wages to artisans is the main tool, the most sustainable tool to solving poverty around the world. Uh, Globin is a social business, as I mentioned. So, you know, besides, you know, building a sustainable business around uh, this idea, our ultimate goal is to fight poverty around the world. Our main business is a monthly subscription box called the Artisan Box. And uh, just to give you an example, every single month we curate a new theme of the Artisan Box. It can be cozy, hydrate, bonjour, kitchen, things like that. It is full of practical products, everyday products that you would use in your everyday life, but they're also handmade and very unique. So for example, our most popular cozy box comes with this beautiful hand-painted mug from Morocco and a scarf uh, from Thailand, also hand-woven, and a fair trade cocoa powder from Ghana. And everything comes inside the palm leaf basket from Oaxaca, Mexico, where our kind of core, the very first artisan group is located. And also it comes with an artisan brochure with photos and personal stories of the artist so that you know exactly who made your product and how exactly your purchase is impacting the lives of the artisan across the world. It's incredible. So how do you find the artisans? Like, do you have somebody doing that full time or how does it work? How do you actually... Yeah, we started uh, very uh, being very lean. Um, you know, I mean, personally, we traveled around the world, and that's how idea of Globin started because we we saw these artisans in you know in the markets in the bazaars, uh, but we also noticed that despite their talents and amazing crafts that they're creating, they're not actually ma- making. Uh, able to make their ends meet. Uh, and this is why the idea of empowering them, connecting them to the global market happened. But right now, we are members of the Fair Trade Federation. We are pretty well known in the industry. So a lot of times organizations and artisan groups are reaching out to us. But now we are able to travel a bit more. Obviously, we work with our, like 10,000 plus artisans in 50 plus countries. We, we are not able to travel everywhere. But I've personally been to Morocco, Tunisia, Ghana, Kenya, India, Nepal. And now actually my teammates are in Morocco as well. So, you know, besides WhatsApp and email, uh, <laughs> very, very important to actually meet these artisans in person and to, to truly understand their reality and where they're living and how they're living. That's amazing. And I think that was sort of my next question. And we'll talk about this. I want to talk about Nepal in a moment. But without meeting them, I guess my question was going to be, how do you know that the money that you're making them is actually going into their hands? I know I do work in Nepal and it's actually really hard to, um, you know, we have the money we want to give and we know who we want to give it to. And it's actually really difficult to give it to somebody in, in particular. And just how does that process work of knowing that it's actually going to the artist? Yeah, of course. Um, so as I mentioned, we are verified members of the Fair Trade Federation, which basically means mm-hmm. that our fair trade claims are uh, kind of verified by a third party. And we also... Uh, whatever partner we are working with, we we don't necessarily require them to be verified, certified, or whatever. But we uh, we basically ask all of our partners to abide by the fair trade principles, right? Uh, to respect the working conditions, to pay fair wages to the artisans, uh, no child labor, equal pay to women and men. You know, there's a, a quite a few fair trade principles that um, 
that are well known in the industry. And but also we're asking for transparency, right? If we like the product, and of course everything is product driven, and as I always like to say, my mission-oriented founders and companies. Ultimately, nobody cares about your mission if you don't have an amazing stellar product. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, start with the product. And, but even if we really, really love the product, we reach out to a potential partner. The first thing we ask is like, how do you make your products? Are they made ethically? Are they made sustainably? Which factory is it made in? Are you able to provide us pictures of the artisans, personal stories? And if the answer is no, we just don't work with you. And it's easy fairly easy to see if they're you know if they're really fair and ethical and if they really work closely with the artisans or that we don't work with middlemen so um yeah um and but of course you know throughout the years we have experienced some problems and uh, um as you say we're not there on the ground but that's why you know as we are keep expanding and if we are able to afford it, it's very important for us to actually go and visit the artisans to see with our, with our own eyes how artisans are working, where they're living. Otherwise, yeah, we just have trusted partners on the ground. Um, in Morocco and Mexico, our big countries where we source products from, we have country managers who regularly visit all of our different partners there. In India, we have partners on the ground who, who have kind of direct relationship with artisans all across the country. And of course, India, as you know, is just huge country. So yeah, it's extremely, extremely, extremely important to have trusted partners on the ground. Yeah, I can imagine that that would be challenging, especially at the beginning. I um, was asking because, so I do work in Nepal and we lead uh, like cultural immersion trips there. And we were meeting with a bunch of different on the ground organizations, local Nepali organizations, trying to decide which organization we want to donate the money to um, because we give a big portion of it back. And it was so political like just learning how the money, even in orphanages, you know, can end up in the wrong hands and the kids aren't actually orphans and just learning about all of the politics that goes on. And that's yes. just in just in Nepal, whereas you are working in so many different countries, so many different language barriers, so many different cultures and rules. I can just imagine that that would be really challenging. And it most interesting and relatable thing that we ran into is um, my partner in this, her name's Emery Hall, and she's sort of the face of it. And I do a lot of the back end marketing and, and then I get to go on the trips and do the logistics, but mm-hmm. it's it's because of her that we get to go and she has all of the relationships and she speaks Nepali fluently. So that helps, but she wants to start a fair trade store here. And we were trying to sort of source different materials or different companies or people that we could actually trust <laughs> to yeah. get these materials. And we found these rugs and this is just one example. And they're these rugs from Dolpa, which I don't know if you know where Dolpa is in Nepal, but in order to get there, it's basically like a helicopter ride, another flight, and then 10 days trekking. Wow. (laughs) And so you have to really want these rugs. Exactly. (laughs) And in order, and but like you said, the product drives it, right? And so Mm -hmm. these rugs are completely amazing. And the women who make them, the Dolpa women, they're specifically woven by women. And that was really important to us. And we heard the backstory And we were ending up like meeting these sort of guys that had just trekked back to Kathmandu from Dolpa with these rugs and like these back alleys of Nepal and just couldn't get the information. Like, can we send you with cameras, you know, next time you go Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and cell phones so that we can call them and see how, and like place an order, even to place an order. 
it was just such a thing. And now we're like, okay, maybe next summer we're going to like make the trek to Dolpa and like meet these women because it's something that Emery is really serious about doing. But just that example, and that's just one rug and you have this whole organization. So it's really inspiring to me that it's working and that people are doing this type of work and it does work and money does end up in the right hands and you can track it and it's doable. That's very good to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to, you know, share the knowledge and uh, inspire. You know, that's one of my personal things that I really am passionate about. And I want um, ethical business founders to really challenge themselves and, you know, to grow and scale and compete with big box companies and show um, these businesses, uh, corporations that you can run business ethically and sustainably and also grow. Um, so this is one of my personal passions. I think it's really inspiring and I'm so glad you're doing it. And that was sort of the first thing I thought about when I knew you were coming on the podcast. And I think my biggest question is right now, like as a Westerner with a company, you know, that has, is having an impact, it's a small impact, but people listen to what we have to say. Like, how do we um, best celebrate and support, whether it be financially or socially, rather than exploit? I think that's, you know, a lot of, uh, we would get like a lot of hate comments or negative comments on our photos when we are traveling and we're in these villages with these kids and these amas that we know quite well, but people don't know that. And they're like, you're just exploiting this community or exploiting these people. They don't need you there. And and how do we, what is the best thing to do? How do we do that? How do we navigate that? Yeah, I think it's a lot of, um, a lot of it is education, right? Like on one end, you know, and it's something that we've been doing for six plus years and um, the whole fair trade industry have been doing for what, 40 plus years. It's like we have to educate consumers about fair trade, about uh, ethical and mindful consumption. Um, what is fair trade, why the artisans have to be paid fairly, why we as businesses have to charge uh, premium prices um, and to explain that, you know, this uh, premiums actually goes to the artisans, to the original makers. But uh, of course, my background also is non-profit and international development and it's definitely like a very uh, sensitive topic uh, among the experts there that, you know, you don't definitely don't want to be the Western or the white person just taking photos uh, with, uh, you know, as uh, they would say, poor kids in Africa or something like that. And this is why it's totally. so important for us, uh, whether you're a nonprofit or business, um, you know, we have to be very, very respectful how we're positioning these people, right? I always like to say with Globin, it's like our artisans, like, it, it, and again, that's the problem with education, right? People still don't know what social businesses are. Um, they maybe know this one-for-one model of charity, so everybody always asks us about how much you're donating to artisans. Show me exactly how much you are making, how much your CEO is making. And I'm like, we're not a charity. We're not a nonprofit. We're not required to share anything with you. And we don't donate and um, um, give back to artisans because I do not believe that our artisans or any people in the world, no matter how uh, difficult their life situation is, they do not need uh, your handout. They don't need your free charity because especially with our artisans, they're business owners, they're craftsmen, they're extremely talented artists who don't need our help. All they need, just like you and me, is a dignified job and fair wage. That is all that people, even living on less than $2 a 
they need. And this is something which we keep struggling to explain uh, to people. You know what I mean? Um, And I think also us living in the West and having all these privileges that we have, uh, we sometimes having a really hard time even fathoming of that these people are actually happy. They're living in the village without ACs, without a toilet, with you know, but they're happy and they're probably more happy than you and me. hundred <laughs> um, percent. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, um, it's just gonna, it's gonna be a struggle. And as you mentioned, um, the, if a lot of times, uh, which sounds weird to us, but a lot of times brands who are truly trying to do something right, the minute you say like, oh, we're helping artisans or we're empowering artisans, then suddenly you get all of these questions uh, about all of your operations, your personal finances, even like, did you ask Amazon this or Walmart or, you, you know, like they don't get these questions. But once you say that you're trying to do something good, you get under this uh, intense scrutiny and which I think will be the reality. And we just have to live with it. And really, I think it's important for us to be transparent and very respectful uh, about how we are portraying those people that we work with. Right. Yeah, I think what you just, the way you just answered that was so eloquent and and so spot on. And my next question or what I was going to mention is I do feel that way. I actually feel like the companies that I know that are really trying to do good, that are rooted in integrity and have CEOs that are in it for the right reasons. And of course we need to get paid. We need to Mm-hmm. make a living and we're not, you know, nobody's asking me how much money I'm paying myself. Exactly. And I'm not giving 3.5 million back to artisans in the last three years. Like that's, it's crazy to me. Nobody has ever asked me how much I'm paying myself versus my employees because yeah. I'm not, you know, I don't have like a social impact company in that way. I mean, we do do a lot of work. Uh, for nonprofits, but nobody's asking me specifically how many hours I'm contributing to nonprofits. And I just find that to be so funny that the the companies that are actually doing the work are under the most scrutiny and are getting the most backlash. Um, and, and we have another company. I don't know. Are you familiar with Ethnotech? No, I haven't heard of them. So I would love for them to know you. Uh, so Ethnotech, it's this great couple. They live in Bali and they travel. Uh, they make these backpacks and um, they're backpacks and bags. And you touched on an important topic, which is what I'm getting to, which is the price, premium prices. Yeah. And um, they're, they're quite expensive and they're so gorgeous. And they, they're fanny packs, backpacks, wallets, that kind of thing, specifically bags, camera bags. And um, the different uh, textures or different patterns on the backpacks are from different parts of the world, from different artisans that weave it. And then when you get the backpack, it has like a little note of who made yes. it for you, mm-hmm. where they're from it. Blah, 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 all of that. So yeah. they get, um, they're good friends of ours and, and I, they're such great people. I mean, they travel there, they meet the people, they do the work and they get so questioned and so like hounded, um, on how do you know the money's going to the right place and this and that. And they are actually doing the work, like the money is going there and that's why it's so expensive. And yeah. they get like, 
if this is, you know, going to artisans, like, why is it so expensive? Why are you charging so much? And it's like, well, that's why. And same thing with when we, you know, bring these rugs that we want these Dolper rugs to Nepal from Nepal. Um, yeah, if we went there and got it in Nepal, it would be a lot cheaper, but yeah. they, they need to make fair wages. We need to import it to the U.S. Exactly. Like there's all this stuff that goes around it. And I'm just so confused as to why people don't get that. Like yeah. what is... I know you said education, but what is the disconnect that's happening between? I think I think the disconnect is that business versus nonprofit, right? Mm. Um, so nonprofits have um, have been questioned about this for years. Dan Palota, I don't know if you've seen this TED talk from like ten years ago. Uh, he basically talks about how you know nonprofit. Uh, leaders should and have a right to be paid uh, fairly, right? So if like the CEO of uh, um, American Red Cross is making like, I don't know, he's probably making like $400,000, which I know sounds crazy, but you know, their businesses, you know, on the on par with uh, big actually for-profit companies. And how do nonprofits who want to be successful, how can they compete um, for talent with for-profit as I like to call evil companies, right? Like just companies that are just there to make money. How do nonprofits compete for this uh, talent if they can't provide decent salaries? Um, so it's a great uh, TED talk if you want to link to it in the show notes. But uh, so that's nonprofits on the nonprofit end. Uh, and again, we're used to charities. We're used to the idea of giving back. Um, and nonprofits, uh, you know, they have to publish all of their financial reports. You know, you know exactly how much everyone is making, blah, blah, blah. Um, so once you're saying you're, you're a business, uh, your friends at Nordeca, I'm on their website, they're a social business, just like Globin. Uh, and like we're helping artisans or we're empowering artisans. I think people are still seeing it as a nonprofit, right? So they're, mm. they're exactly how you said. They expect that this 299 or whatever, 159 backpack, they want 100% of this money to go to uh, the artist, which is, of course, it's, that's not how businesses work. And I think once once you say that you're for good, you're trying to help the artisans, they just put you in a non-profit bucket. But my response to these people is, again, like you, like, uh, yeah, if you want the, the rug for $100 instead of 500 or 1000 buy yourself a ticket, go to Nepal, <laughs> you know, and there you go. You've saved a lot of money. Maybe not. Track for 10 days. <laughs> yeah, to exactly. Don't yeah. <laughs> but also, it's again, it's about educating the consumer. And like in our, in our case, ceramics are super uh, popular for us. So if you want this $50 ceramic hand-painted ball, if you want $50 to go direct to the artisan, it's not a, it's not a correct mindset um, because, first of all, with this business model, again, we will be a non-profit, which I am very much, I don't think it's a sustainable solution to poverty, like non-profit business model. That's why I'm so passionate about the social business idea and creating sustainable business model that are solving social problems. Uh, but basically, what are you saying is that you want me to be a nonprofit, uh, like Globin or your friends at Ethnotech, and basically, who will be subsidizing this? Uh, you know, the price of this hundred ninety nine dollar backpack if the customer doesn't want to pay the full price, um, or wants the hundred percent of the price to go to the artisans. Basically, you have to ask like amazing uh, people like uh, Bill Gates, right, or Warren Buffett. You want them to subsidize, uh, you know, this price that will help. Um, Nonprofits exist. That's how nonprofits exist. This is, they survive on grants, which 
honestly, it's it's very difficult and it's not very sustainable. Yeah, um, it's so interesting. I mean, I'm learning so much from you, but in my conversation with 109 World, they are a nonprofit and the whole <laughs> the whole um, interview is basically her complaining about being a nonprofit because... <laughs> yeah. And so the title of that podcast is called Nonprofit or For Profit. And we like really dive into this conversation. And and she's really, you know, my only person in my world that's running a nonprofit. And I see how hard that is. And I see like how difficult it is, like you said, to hire competitive people yep. um, to fulfill those roles when so much of the money is has to go to a particular organization or cause or whatever. And and I think what's so interesting to me is this new concept of what you're doing. And it may, it's not a new concept, but it's a new concept to me that it doesn't have to be nonprofit. It can be for-profit. You can make a good living and you can do good work that's you know social impact. And I think it's so powerful. I'm so proud of you and this Thank conversation. You. And um, I think it's really opening my eyes to think about this as I, you know, I, I would definitely... I've locked myself into this marketing niche right now. I really am good at marketing and we create really successful campaigns and things like that. But now that I'm, you know, really starting to think about, you know, it's 2020 and I think everybody is in that space of like, what am I doing? Um, And I consider myself first and foremost, an entrepreneur and how I can create different companies and different collaborations. You know, I have this Nepal sort of, I call it like my side, my side gig. And, um, you know, most, a lot of the money that we make on that trip, we do give back, but it's still not nonprofit because we have to make a living. You know, I have to get there. And I think that's like the hard piece is a lot of people are like, well, how much are you giving back and what organization are you giving back to? And it gets really complicated. And I think people shy away from complicated instead of lean into it and aren't willing to really do that research and have those difficult conversations and stand up for yourself and say, yeah, I make money and I also give a lot of it back. Like, what are you doing? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think this is why something, um, I mean, we've been kind of over the years, um, I would be telling, uh, kind of a little bit jealous of this whole success of the one for one model. It's so brilliant and congratulations, Tom's. Of course, they had their own criticisms from international development experts, but it's such a easy, simple concept. And this is, I think, my my honest belief why fair trade uh, is not you know as prevalent and known um, as it should be i'm sorry it's 40 years like they they should have a major movement and everybody should know exactly what fair trade is and that it's not free trade but i think it's the complexity right so i mean most powerful ideas are simple and unfortunately we haven't we still haven't figured out how to which should be pretty simple people everyone needs jobs this is about social justice for me everyone needs jobs access to jobs access to education uh everyone needs to be paid uh, fairly and that's it and it's, i mean it's very idealistic and naive of course but th- there you go you have uh you know no global poverty um but i think this whole kind of um world view of you know, traditional capitalism and how we are completely disconnected to the people who are making every single product that we surround ourselves in our everyday life and that it's okay to buy the $2 t-shirt or whatever, 50 cents uh, 
hand-painted mug, you know, we have to rethink this whole thing and truly understand that it's not okay and it's not a sustainable system. And if we, if more businesses operate sustainably and ethically to begin with, then there would be no poverty, no other, no environmental problems that we will have to create nonprofits to solve them. Does that make sense? <laughs> It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense when you say it. I mean, I yeah, I vote you for president. I mean, it's just well, what's so crazy is like it's it seems like you're saying it's idealistic and naive, but it should be the norm. Exactly. Yeah, like that think. should be the norm. And we're and unfortunately, along with so many other of these global issues, it takes like re reframing mindsets. Um and I, I dare I go as far as saying like cultures, um, because I always find like, you know, when things go back and traditions go back so far and it's a part of a culture, it, it's what makes it so difficult to actually change because you can justify it. But my husband and I were just talking last night, you can really justify anything um, mm-hmm. if you you know, have enough like facts and can bullshit and argue like everything can be justifiable to an extent. And I think um, this should be the norm. And I, I wish more people were having this conversation, but my, my question in that is since you're in it, you're in this world, you live in this world, are you optimistic or does it discourage you on sort of like a day-to-day basis? Like seeing, because you are having an impact, Mm -hmm. your company's having a major impact. And there are a lot of social companies out there. I know a lot of them I've worked with, a lot of them I've helped with marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you see the trend going up? Like, what do you what do you sort of see for our future? No, definitely. Um, so as I mentioned, you mentioned, you know, I'm also a co-host of the Good Together podcast and um, work closely with Brighted, that eco, it's a platform for basically, it's a community for people who care about, you know, ethical consumption, uh, slow fashion, uh, environment, and just living more sustainably. And we're definitely seeing the momentum there in general, like 2019, you know, and, and again, I think everything kind of money talks, right? So what Mm -hmm. the major kind of proof that something is actually happening is that we're seeing more and more ethical companies, truly ethical companies, right? Who are becoming major players in the industries like Allbirds, right? Um, Allbirds is a great Thrive Market in LA. um, That's another huge one. Uh, Everlane. Uh, And of course, you know, not everybody is um, perfect, even potential. Patagonia, you know, it's even, and they say themselves, they're not perfect, but they're huge, huge, major company and they're truly ethical and sustainable. Old birds making their, you know, shoemaking technology available for public access so that anyone can copy their technology, which is amazing. And, uh, but they're major, right? They're not those small niche brands, like unfortunately a lot of fair trade companies are, um, but they're big and they're well-known and uh, more and more companies uh, come up and also bigger, major, big corporations, brands like H&M, they're starting their conscious collections, right? Or something else, which of course might be uh, more greenwashing than 
actual <laughs> um, uh, effort to make a difference. Um, but basically, the market is listening. Big corporations, even with their greenwashing, if they're trying to greenwash, it means that they're listening to the market, that they're seeing those uh, truly ethical competitors come up and steal the share of their business. Uh, and hopefully, you know, the bigger we uh, are as ethical businesses, the more we help each other, the more we can really change the market and show them that the, the true, correct way, uh, ethical way of running business should be the new norm. I love that. And I was hoping that was your answer because from I work in marketing, so I'm constantly like targeting audiences and what people are clicking on and what they're buying. And, and yeah. for me, I do see a trend moving towards people want to know where their money's going now more than ever. And I hope it's not naive to believe that because I, I see it in the in the purchase data. Like I, you can literally see it in the exactly. purchase data that people want to know your story. They want to know about the founder. They want to know who created this, why they created it. Like the story is more important now than ever. And um, I mean, even the fact that with Amazon, this is such a silly example, but buying Whole Foods, I live next to Whole Foods and I can actually see the... Um, like the, the, it's so weird, but I can feel the change in energy down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and little changes like this is such a stupid example. I don't know why I'm ex- explaining this, but, um, the, the hummus recipe has changed mm-hmm. and it's like these little things that yeah. it's like, it's so small, but you can feel the, the Amazon impact, like the recipe, it, the whole foods branded hummus, whatever now tastes completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's like the effect of this this sort of big operation happening that's buying. I mean, not that Whole Foods was like better before, yeah. but I can like actually see and feel the effect that it's having on, on the situation. I don't know why I just gave that example or where I was going well, with that. But you're but right. Just, yeah. I mean, you can, you see those small changes, but we as marketers, we understand why they're happening. Right. I mean, yeah, um, and it, I hate it. I hate it yeah. so much, but, but that's so that's a bad example, but the good mm-hmm. example is that I do see people making purchase decisions out of integrity and out of ethics and sustainability. And it's important. And you're almost an asshole if you shop at like certain places, like knowing now, you know, I feel like it really is changing, but then hearing your side of it and seeing how much work we still have to go, I think, you know, we can be optimistic, but also we need to make more change. And, and I think my last question for you is, um, what you keep saying, like truly ethical and sustainable business. Could mm-hmm. you define that for me? Like what in your, in your, you know, world equals a truly ethical and sustainable business? Yeah. So on one hand, of course, certifications help, uh, like, you know, uh, again, how I mentioned that we are, Globin is verified fair trade federation member. So it just simply like a third party verifies our claims that we are fair trade and ethical and all of that stuff. Um, on the other hand, I'm a bit wary of certifications because there's so many certifications out there these days, you know, um, Green Forest Alliance, right? They're organic, Fair Trade USA, World Fair Trade. There's just, there's like four or five different Fair Trade uh, designations, which is crazy. And I wrote about that uh, when I was back, when I was doing my MBA before even Globin. I was like, uh, this, this is, this again, this does not simplify, um, simplify the solution, simplify the information for the consumer, which is a big, big challenge. Uh, nevertheless, <laughs> certifications do have some kind of value. I think 
everything. Um, and again, it just can be as simple as a third-party um, company verifies your claims. Um, because there is a lot of greenwashing, right? Uh, everybody, yeah. like you see all of the super popular uh, direct-to-consumer brands, we, which we are part of that industry, but everybody's sustainable, you know what I mean? And it's not true, absolutely. You know, if you're sustainable and you're still selling, like, I don't know, you know, even a $10 t-shirt, probably not true. Um, so yeah, sustainable and ethical and transparent, but it's very easy to tell if company really truly cares about what they're doing by, yeah. you know, just checking their website, uh, you know, with Patagonia, you know, they don't say they're hundred percent fair trade. No, they say a certain line of our products um, that we source from certain factories, certain materials are fair trade certified. This is um, maybe has some plastics in it. This has recycled. So they go, they have like, this so much in information on their website, including information about the factories they work with. Um, and, and again, this doesn't need necessarily a certification, but the example of all birds, right? The, the way they're going uh, above and beyond, not just producing their shoes sustainably from sustainable materials, but they're making it this technology open source. Um, so it's it, the problem... On the consumer side, for me, again, as a marketer, I try to simplify it, but it's not that simple yet. It's pretty complicated. And I think that's why we it's a challenging for ethical brands to grow right now. Um, but we need to be able to explain um, all of this ethical and good things that we're doing for the world in a very simple way right now. It takes research from the consumers. Um, yeah. and th uh, this is why, and, and, and again, why I'm saying truly ethical versus not truly ethical is like, I mean, like, um, yeah, like um, greenwashing or for example, you know, our biggest competitor, um, not even direct competitor, that world-class, uh, world cost plus world market, right? Um, they sell artisan stuff and a lot of people think that they're fair trade for some reason. They don't even say that they're fair trade, but for some reason, everybody's just like, oh, it's artisan, it's fair trade. It's not true. If you think stuff, artisan stuff in TJ Maxx, um, or for example, a lot of small fair trade brands are kind of almost like forced to sell on Amazon because, you know, they don't know how else to sell. They're not getting good um, good conditions when they're selling. Um, you know, fair, one of the main fair trade principles is to pay the deposits, to pay artisans up front. Um, you know, if the company is not fair trade, they, can, they want to place an order for like 100,000 units of product, which is insane for artisans, but they don't pay your deposit. How can artisans take this risk? You know, um, so there's a lot of complexities that consumers, I don't know whether they should should know or should not know about this. We try to explain it, but it's definitely not easy. And um, uh, there's a lot of greenwashing there. And that, that's, I think, why we are getting so much backlash and questions, right? Because consumers yeah. are also suspicious because they do have reasons to be suspicious. Yeah. I mean, I think you explained it really beautifully at the beginning. It's just people deserve to make a living and like have the right to a job and fair wages. I mean, that's it. Yep. And, and I think for the educational piece, that's why I asked you what truly makes a company ethical and sustainable, because it's like, here are the things to look for, right? Exactly. Like if I were to like put out a... PDF or whatever. I always go back to like marketing, but it's mm. like, what are the five things to look for um, when deciding where to purchase, you mm -hmm. know, where to put your money? Like here are the top five things, you know, and I would just serve that out because I think like you said, education is so important and it is simple. 
And then here are the steps. And that, that's sort of my final thing for you is what are the calls to action right now? Like if me as a listener, obviously it's to shop ethically and make sure people are fair trade certified and actually be conscious about how you're spending your money and who it's going to, of course, mm-hmm. and how much that person is making. Cause we, we don't get to meet those people. And when you do your whole world changes. I mean, you know, from traveling all over the world, when you get to meet those people, you know, everything changes. And when I get to go to Nepal and hike for three days into these villages, one, they are very happy just Mm -hmm. to go back to what you were saying. Like they don't need to be saved at all. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not what we're doing. Um, Just to see the way they're living though, and see the work and the craft that goes into these beautiful garments and scarves and, and you name it baskets. It's like, of course, that's where I want to give my money. Of course, I want to give that woman my money. And it, you know, unfortunately we can't buy everybody tickets all over the world. And I think what you're doing is the next best thing. So if you have any sort of final calls to action or, you know, even just like a simple change that somebody could make to start bringing this issue more to light, because I feel like this is something for me, I know there's a lot going on in the world right now, Mm -hmm. but I feel like this is something for me that me as a human being can actually, uh, have an, like have a small effect on. Um, and it, it does resonate with me. So if this does resonate and you aren't contributing already, um, how can we? So it's funny that you position this question this way because this is exactly why we started the Good Together podcast with my co-host Laura because we had this kind of conversations, right? Uh, You want to have, um, you know, I think especially millennials, Gen Z now, um, whoever is coming later, (laughs) whatever generation comes later, um, we're becoming much more aware of uh, of the environment, of the problems with the world, of how things should be done right and fairly, right? But um, especially with the media today, so much negativity and or misinformation, you can become very overwhelmed. Like, what do I do? Where do I start? Like, I don't want to be zero waste. Uh, like, I don't even know what zero waste is exactly. And it's kind of sounds scary. Um, you know, I love to eat meat, uh, even though I know that it's not good for the environment. Um, exactly. And all of this thing. So where do I start? How can I get this information in like in some kind of a, a easy to digest way? And this is why we started Good Together podcast. So I, every episode would take a topic and it's basically, it's kind of me and Laura talking to each other over an imaginary glass of wine. Um, but, uh, you know, okay, so how can I, um, how do I recycle? Right. What exactly it means? Uh, what does, uh, where do recycled products actually go? Or for example, how do I shop um, uh, for holiday gifts uh, and deal with all the craziness of Black Friday and Cyber Monday in a more mindful way? Or how do I gift, you know, experiences um, instead of just physical products that may you know, the recipient may or may not like? Or I love that one. Yeah, or something as simple as, you know, doing groceries. Like, is it good to buy uh, in bulk? uh, Or should I also think about, you know, how much gas I spend... um while driving to Costco in my car, um, or like, I don't know, buying organic products, blah, blah. So like going into very specific topics like that uh, and um, just sharing practical advice with our listeners, right? Uh, here's, for example, if we had, we didn't have an episode about this, but you know, there's bushfires, right? In Australia, which are tragic. Right. So here, uh, and it's something I always used to look for this information as a person or customer. Um, 
okay, what are the best nonprofits, trusted nonprofits that I should donate to? And in the natural disasters cases, I always knew that from my nonprofits years, cash is the best thing, right? You don't really need to go to Australia to volunteer your time right now. There are people on the ground who are able to deal with this. Uh, You just should send money to them because there's obviously a lot of resources needed. Um, So just examples like this, and this is something that's what we created Good Together podcast. Um, So if you guys want to give us a listen, there's also, um, you can look at the podcast brightly.eco that's our online community where you can find you know suggestions for the most ethical shoe companies or the best plus size companies which are also sustainable or i don't know the best documentaries about ethical and mindful living something like that you know so kind of bite-sized actionable practical information um that is not overwhelming and that you can use to live a more you know ethical sustainable environmentally friendly lifestyle i love that i'll definitely be tuning in because i think we get so sort of trapped in, in our own little stories and our own little word, worlds. And one thing I was, I was saying to my friend, you know, it's been a really kind of crazy week for me. Um, and the last thing that is on my mind, and I'm going to be totally honest, is like, you know, if my food last night was delivered in a plastic bag, you know, I was just yeah. so hungry <laughs> and exactly. so tired and so stressed out. But what I said to my friend as I was researching you all morning and I said, I'm so excited for this interview because I get to get out of my story just for an hour. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I get to like really dive into something that's really powerful and making a difference. And I think it's just important to remember, like we all have a story, we all have stresses, we all have things going on, but then there are companies that are doing the work for us. Like you make, you're making it very easy. All we have to do is listen to your podcast or check out your group and we can see where we should be buying our shoes, where like somebody is doing this work, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go out and research this list for the next month, but I can easily tune into your podcast for an hour of my time. So it's things like that. Like they're, are people doing the work? There are nonprofits that you can donate to. Like you don't have to start your own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There are already people doing that and you can support those people. And so today, even me just interviewing you and having you on here and now having my thousands of people getting to hear you next week is like, oh, what an exhale. You know, I contributed to that. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it doesn't have to get so overwhelming and so big. Like to me, this hour, I was present to this issue I'm grateful to know you, you know, and I definitely would love to meet you in person and see how we can connect more and help more and, and make more, you know, of a like scene about about this. I like to cause scenes. So, um, yeah, it's just so nice to meet you. And I'm so impressed, um, just by the business side, you know, you were able to create a successful company, which is not easy in itself. And, um, that is a struggle for many people. And not only that, but you've able, uh, you're able to create a company that's actually having a really positive impact on our world. So thank you for existing and for doing what you do and for inspiring us. Um, if you want to know more, the website is globein, G-L-O-B-E-I-N.com. Are there any other places that you'd like us to find you other than the Good Together podcast? Yeah. So the brightly.eco, um, brightly.eco, ECO, right? That's the platform um, where also the podcast lives and there's tons of resources and brands for you to discover and kind of, yeah, start making those small but so important steps toward, uh, you know, a more mindful and sustainable living. 
I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I look forward to following you and learning more. Thank you for teaching me something new today. And to everybody listening, thank you for being here. And until next time, keep growing. 